Hey everyone and welcome to the Year Was the Podcast all about today that gives you just enough information to effectively be that guy at the party causing all your friends to question. Hey, who invited you? Like, seriously, why are you here? I'm your host Michael Montalvo and for the next few minutes we will swim through the river of time to try and find out what makes it a truly unique. In this episode we examine the events that occurred December 8th. There's a lot going on with the Beatles right now. The Get Back documentary on Disney+, Plus, which I am finding very good. And not necessarily Beatles per se, but Paul McCartney's new book of song lyrics and notes. This, in addition to the Beatles' love show in Las Vegas, show that despite breaking up over 50 years ago, they have never really stopped. And as we know, there are only two Beatles left, unless you count any of the fifth Beatles that are currently still alive. And what I find morbidly interesting about all of this was that the first Beatle, John Lennon, was also the first Beatle to die. So I thought we would take a look at that. Just a bit of warning, we do briefly discuss a suicide attempt and murder, so skip it if you are uncomfortable with it. John Winston Ono Lennon was born John Winston Lennon to parents Julia and Alfred, October 4th, 1940. He did not spend much of his early life with them, however, as they separated when he was only four. And as a child, Lennon was given to his Aunt Mimi, who would care for him, while his father, a merchant seaman, was out at sea and therefore mostly absent from his life, and his mother remarried. Growing up with Aunt Mimi, Lennon was known to be a prankster and frequently got into trouble. By most accounts, he was a terrible student, but excelled in the arts, and his school's headmaster believed John would excel in an art school. During this time, he would stay in contact with his mother as she would visit regularly, and it was actually her who would teach Lennon how to play the banjo, piano, and would even buy his first guitar, setting him on a path towards music. It was after the arrival of Elvis Presley that he became inspired to start the band The Quarrymen a band that would soon see the likes of Paul McCartney, who would then eventually bring in George Harrison and Pete Best. At this point in the story, it's 1958, and after an alleged vision he had, Lennon renamed the group The Beatles with an A. 1958 also brought tragedy for the 17-year-old Lennon, as while crossing the street to get to a bus stop, his mother Julia was struck by a car being driven by an off-duty policeman and was killed. Following his mother's death, the band continued to play shows until they were discovered in 1961 by Brian Epstein, who not only became their new manager, but also got them a contract with EMI. Richard Starkley, better known as Ringo Starr, would join the band replacing Pete Best as drummer, and the band began to take off. Lennon would meet and marry Cynthia Powell, had a son, Julian, divorced Powell, claimed the Beatles were bigger than Jesus, remember this bit for later, and met and married Yoko Ono. During all of this, the band continued to make music, make movies, and inspire countless people around the world. Beatlemania was in full swing. I'm going to skip over this bit because we all know what happened in Beatlemania stays in Beatlemania. In 1967, Brian Epstein died and Lennon and Ono began to cause tension in the group, and then Lennon left the Beatles to begin a solo career. He became an anti-war protester, separated and then reconciled with Yoko Ono, 
and then in 1975, they welcomed their son, Sean, into the world. Now look, I know we tend to glorify people like Lennon, but I feel it's important to also note that he had his own flaws. He admitted to being cruel to women and allegedly beat his son Julian, and publicly said he never wanted him, while showering praise on second son, Sean. He cheated on both of his wives and refused to apologize for nearly beating a man to death for implying that he was gay. I'm not defending or denying anything John Lennon may or may not have done. And that brings us to 1980. But first, let's go back to 1955, as a man who will hereby be referred to as Nedley is born on May 10th. Nedley grew up in Georgia, where he became a Beatles fan until the infamous comment made by John Lennon that the Beatles were bigger than Jesus was made. He had become a born-again Christian in high school, and he took some offense to that comment. Nedley moved to Hawaii and attempted suicide in 1977, but was taken to the hospital where he was saved. He married in 1979 and became a security guard, but became increasingly unstable and homicidal. Nedley began to obsess over The Catcher in the Rye, a novel by J.D. Salinger, who also wrote Others, and the character of Holden Caulfield. Here's where some red flags really start to pop up. Supposedly, he created a kill list that included Johnny Carson, Elizabeth Taylor, Paul McCartney, and John Lennon. He settled on Lennon and allegedly told his wife about his plan, but nothing was done. He then bought a ticket to New York in November but couldn't follow through with it, then recommitted and flew to New York again on December 6th, where he would wait outside Lennon's apartment for two days. The year was 1980, and on this day, December 8th, John Lennon was murdered. Now by this point, you will have noticed I have not said the killer's real name, and I won't. If you want to know, you can look it up, but upon his arrest and later in life, Nedley said that he killed Lennon only for the fame. He would say at his hearing, At the time, my thinking was he has all of this money, lives in this beautiful apartment, and he is into music, representing a more cautious lifestyle, a more giving lifestyle. It made me angry and jealous compared to the way I was living at the time. There was jealousy in there. It was just self-glory, period. It was nothing more than that. It boiled down to that. There's no excuses. John Lennon had just made his return to music with the release of the Double Fantasy album. Nedley had grown disenchanted with Lennon, feeling the former Beatle had sold out. He had flown to New York and had random run-ins with other celebrities and asked if they could help him get something to Lennon, but was refused. On the afternoon of the 8th, Nedley was standing outside the Dakota, the home of John Lennon and Yoko Ono, where he managed to ask for an autograph on the newly released Double Fantasy. And then he stood there and waited. According to an article from the New York Post, at 10.50 that evening, Lennon and Ono returned home with Nedley standing in front of the building. They briefly made eye contact before Lennon turned away and Nedley shot four bullets into the singer's back. With Lennon stumbling forward, Ono screamed and John collapsed in the lobby. Nedley stood there not moving and began reading from a paperback copy of the catcher in the rye, as he waited for police to show up. 
Officers Peter Cullen and Steve Spiro responded to the call and saw the commotion. They initially believed it to be fireworks, but upon asking what happened, they were informed, This guy just shot John Lennon, and Nedley was arrested. Lennon was laying face down in a pool of blood, with other officers arriving. He was quickly moved to the back of a squad car, and they made their way to the hospital. Cullen and Spiro had Nedley in their car, and were taking him to the precinct. It was in that car that Nedley would apologize for ruining their night. Upon arriving at the hospital, they tried to revive Lennon, but were unable to do so, and after 45 minutes, he was pronounced dead. At the precinct, Nedley said, I've been tracking Lennon for a while. I have a big person inside of me, and a little person. The big person had been winning up until tonight, but now the little person won. In the aftermath, Nedley tried to withdraw his admission of guilt, and was placed in a hospital for a psychiatric evaluation, but... In the end, even Nedley's lawyer pushed for a trial. He pled guilty and was sentenced to 20 to life and continues to serve that today, having been denied parole at the time of recording 11 times. So I know you're wondering what happened to the album Nedley had Lennon sign. It was found in the bushes and kept under a bed for 18 years after being returned from the police, before going to auction in 1998 where it sold for $150,000. It sold again in 2010 for $850,000 and went up for auction again this year in 2021 where it has a starting bid of $400,000 but is expected to reach well over $1 million. That's going to do it for us today. If you like this podcast and want to hear more, give us a rate and a review. That helps me out and helps steer this in a direction that is hopefully good for all. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can find the Year Was audio version on your podcast app of choice. You can find me on social media and on YouTube at the Apple Cider Club. And as always, I want to thank the Tim Price Band for our musical theme. And thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.